Welcome to the Temple Baptist Church Podcast, coming to you from Swan River, Manitoba, Canada. This week, we join Pastor Neil Effa as he preaches from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, in the third part of a sermon series called Character Under Construction, with this message from June 2nd titled, Add to Your Faith Knowledge. Well, this morning we're going to continue in the series from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, which I titled Character Under Construction, and Jessica has uh, so diligently uh, decorated here this morning with, uh, to remind us of the uh, series that we are in. But I have suggested to you that although we are better than what we once were, we are not yet what God wants us to be. God is in the process of shaping us and transforming our lives into the likeness of his son. And perhaps it would be helpful if each of us wore around our neck a sign that reads construction zone. If we did, I think it would be a visual reminder that God is not finished with us yet. It would be a reminder that God is in the process of chiseling from our lives. Those things which do not reflect the character of Jesus. Things such as pride and jealousy, lust, gossip, impure speech, anger, laziness, envy, and so forth. And it would be a reminder that he is in the process of developing within us qualities listed in 2 Peter chapter 1. Virtue and knowledge, self-control and steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And it would be a visual reminder that we need to be patient with each other, especially when we are tempted to become irritated or frustrated by someone's actions. In our first session, we discovered that Peter begins his second epistle by giving us a necessary foundation for spiritual formation. He said first that God has given us all the help we need to live the Christian life for his glory. Therefore, when it comes to growing in Christ likeness, there's no excuse. All the conditions for our spiritual growth are at our disposal. But the second thing Peter reminded us, he said, because God has given us all that we need to live for the the Christian life for his glory, we must make every effort to be godly. Spiritual formation does not take place automatically. Rather, we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit to experience spiritual transformation. By giving us this necessary foundation, Peter then continued by outlining the characteristics that should define our lives. And we read beginning in chapter one, verse five, for this very reason, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Last Sunday, we discussed the importance of developing virtue, which we defined as moral courage. A virtuous person will be courageous to do the right thing regardless of temptation to sin and the pressures to conform to the world. And implicit in the word virtue is the idea of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Daniel was a man of virtue, as we saw last Sunday, a man of courageous moral character. As a teenager, he was deported to the pagan country of Babylon, yet he did not compromise his personal and his religious values. Even when threatened with death, he continued to hold fast to his convictions and he did the right thing. We now proceed to the next characteristic in Peter's list. He says that we are to make every effort to supplement our faith 
with virtue and virtue with knowledge. There is a vast amount of knowledge available today. I did a Google search and found that as of January 2015, there were 23,887 universities worldwide. I also discovered that approximately 130 million books have been published in modern history. And according to Netcraft, there are 644 million active websites on the internet. Now, some would disagree and would suggest that there are closer to 1.5 billion websites, although some of them are not active. We live in a day and age where knowledge is at our fingertips. If you want to know how to do something or know about something, just Google it and you'll be taken to YouTube videos or to other tutorials. But how much of that knowledge is actually useful, is actually needed? A story is told about a ship's engine that had stopped running. Each day the ship remained in the harbor, the owners were losing money. And so they tried one expert after another, but none of them could figure out how to fix the engine. Then they brought in an elderly gentleman who had been fixing ships from a young age. He carried a large bag of tools with him. And when he arrived, he immediately went to work. He inspected the engine very carefully from top to bottom. Two of the ship's owners were there watching this man, hoping that he would know what to do. Well, after looking things over, the elderly man reached into his bag and he pulled out a small hammer. He gently tapped something on the engine and instantly the engine started up. He carefully put his hammer away. The engine was fixed. A week later, the owners received a bill from the man for $10,000 and the owners couldn't believe the bill was so high because he hardly did anything to the engine. So they wrote him a note saying, please send an itemized bill. The man sent them an itemized bill that read tapping with a hammer, $2, knowing specifically where to tap $9,998. Knowledge is important. But having knowledge that is useful, useful and crucial and critical and helpful is important. Peter tells us to add to our faith knowledge. Why did he ha- what did he have in mind when he gave us this exhortation? What kind of knowledge is he talking about? There are four other verses in this epistle that help us understand, I think, what Peter has in mind. In chapter 1, verse 2, we read, May grace and peace be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. In chapter one, verse eight, Peter goes on to say, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter tells us to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus, Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. When we go to the second chapter, verse 20, we read, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Peter is emphasizing that the way to escape the defilement of the world is through the knowledge of Jesus. And then in chapter three, verse 18, we read, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Peter is saying that the kind of knowledge we need in order to grow in Christ likeness is a knowledge of Christ himself. 
In fact, this is the most important knowledge worth pursuing. The Bible refers to followers of Jesus as disciples. You and I, as a believer in Jesus, are disciples. And the word disciple literally means learner. You and I are to be learners of Jesus, to grow in our knowledge of him. And there are two ways to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. First, we need to grow in our knowledge about Jesus. We should know more about Jesus today than we knew about him yesterday or last week or last month or last year. If our knowledge of Jesus has not increased, we are not a true disciple because a disciple is a learner. We need, we need to drink at the fountain of knowledge because the most important body of information for a Christian is the story of Jesus. Fanny Crosby expressed it this way. Tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart. Every word, tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. It was Will Rogers who said, everybody's ignorant only in different subjects. The one subject on which no Christian should be ignorant is the life and ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus is an historical figure, there is so much you and I can and must learn about him. It's important to acquire that factual information about our savior. During the series Lent, uh, sent living a life on mission, we showed five video segments on habits of highly missional people by Michael Frost. And one habit he challenged us to develop in our life was to be a learner of Jesus. He challenged us to read through the gospels and to take note of the things that Jesus said, the things that Jesus did, the places where he went to take note of how he interacted with people. And he said, in so doing, we would grow in our knowledge about Christ. Growth and knowledge about Christ is essential, but not sufficient, however, for our spiritual welfare and well-being. It is not enough just to merely know about Christ. And why do I say this? Because the New Testament author James says that even the demons know about Jesus, but they are still in rebellion against him. Our theology concerning Jesus can be impeccable, but it cannot remain as head knowledge only. It must move to the heart. Therefore, we need to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. And this kind of knowledge focuses not solely on information, but rather on relationship. We're talking about the difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. When it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, our knowledge of him can be both factual and relational. To help us better understand this characteristic of knowledge, I point you to the Apostle Paul who exemplified this characteristic in his life. Listen to what we read in Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. This is Paul's passion. He said, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, let me read this verse to you from the Amplified Bible, the classic edition. It reads, yes, furthermore, I count everything as lost compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly for his sake. I have lost everything and considered it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs in order that I may win or gain Christ 
the anointed one. How closely does your passion and my passion resemble and reflect that of the apostle Paul's is knowing Jesus, our determined purpose and priority. Are we progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him? Are we growing daily in our relation, in our understanding of the wonders of his person? In simple terms, getting to know Jesus is no different than getting to know another person. In 2017, the world's population was counted to be 7.53 billion people, most of whom we'll never meet. And of those we do meet, we'll only know most of them casually or just in passing. But from time to time, we meet someone with whom we develop a friendship. By spending time together, we talk to them, we listen to them, we learn each other's stories, we become better acquainted. Our knowledge, and, and by spending more time together, our relationship grows. Our knowledge of the other deepens, and we grow in mutual love and in mutual concern. A few of these friends become our dearest, best, and closest friends. Even then, we can't take the relationship for granted. If time passes without communication, without fellowship, what happens? We drift apart. A close friendship requires time. It requires effort and work and continual communication, but it is worth it. Paul would tell us that getting to know Jesus is the same. Jesus Christ, by his death and his resurrection, has given us access into his presence. We get to know him better by spending time with him, conversing, talking with him in prayer, listening to him through his word. When Michael Frost challenged us to learn of Jesus by spending time reading through the gospels, he wasn't encouraging us just to do so, just to gain factual information about Jesus. Although that is important and it's very necessary. He challenged us to read through the gospels so that our relationship with Jesus would be fostered so that we would begin to do the things that he did to say the things that he did as he ministered upon this earth so that we would develop a heart that Jesus demonstrated in his ministry. However, when we neglect our fellowship with Jesus, the spiritual quality of our lives begin to dim. And if we aren't careful, we will begin to go through the motions of Christianity. We'll focus on outward traditions and our spiritual life will grow cold. I mean, this even happened to the Christians who were in Ephesus, who despite their outstanding Christian character, drifted away from their first love. We read of that in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Do you feel that has ever happened to you? That perhaps without any intention of doing so, you left your first love behind for something that seemed better in the moment. Why do we need to be growing in our relationship with Jesus in our knowledge of him? It's through a close and personal relationship with Jesus that we can grow in virtue, that we can grow in moral courage by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. We have all the knowledge we live to live a life of moral excellence, a life that, that fulfills a purpose that we are created for. And one important aspect of this knowledge is that it never changes. 
The knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is permanently fixed. It never becomes outdated, unlike much of the knowledge that is relied upon today. And with that, God's moral law never changes, even though our society would have us believe otherwise. One reason why laws and ethical standards change is that they are influenced by the prevailing sentiments of society and public opinion, which keeps on changing. But when we rely on such and such changing standards to guide us, we are going to lose our way. We will drift away from Jesus. But when we rely on the unchanging knowledge of Christ to guide us, we're always going to have clear direction to keep us going on the right path of life. This is like using a global positioning system to help us reach our desired destination. GPS can determine a person's exact position and give the driver turn-by-turn instructions to reach his destination. And such accurate guidance is possible only because the GPS receiver maintains continuous contact with the outside reference points. That is why it is reliable. And the knowledge of Christ functions in a similar way. It is like your personal satellite for navigating your way through life but you must maintain contact with them. And this satellite is fully reliable because it always remains the same. Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Peter says, add to your faith knowledge. Such knowledge of Christ includes both facts about him as revealed in the scriptures as well as knowing him personally. It's both factual and relational. Growing in the knowledge of our Lord does not only involve reading the Bible in order to know what he has revealed about himself. It also involves establishing that personal relationship and intimate fellowship with him. A new study has found that we are obsessed with our smartphones. According to researcher D scout, the top 10% of smartphone users click, tap, or swipe on their phone 5,427 times a day. However, the rest of us still touch our smartphones 2,617 times a day on average. Now, that's no small number. The research firm also, or which specializes in consumer reactions to products, recruited 94 Android device users and installed special software on their smartphones. The tool tracked each user's interaction over five days, all day. And by every interaction, they mean every tap on your smartphone, every type, every swipe, every click. That's what they call touches. Averaging out the numbers, the aforementioned figures means that heaviest users are touching their devices a couple of million times in one year. Probably the most interesting thing in all this was that the people surveyed completely underestimated their phone touching. While they were initially shocked by the numbers, 41% said it probably wouldn't change the way they use their phone. Now, this leads me to ask, how many taps, how many types, how many swipes, 
How many clicks take place between us and Jesus in a day? If the number of times you were in contact with God on a daily basis could be tracked, would you be shocked by the result? Would you be shocked because how often it takes place or how infrequent you reach out to him? In light of Peter's exhortation, we are to make sure that we know Jesus well. That we not only know about him, but we know of him. That we're fostering that personal relationship with him. Be sure that you keep knowing the Lord Jesus fully and deeply. So that your life will be continually led and guided by him. This morning, as I conclude, three questions I want to leave with you. And I trust that you will take time throughout this day to reflect upon them. They're in the handout in your bulletin. The first is knowing Jesus, your determined purpose and priority. Is that your consuming desire? It was for the apostle Paul. Paul was not only concerned about knowing about Jesus. He wanted to know Jesus in the most deeply and intimate possible way. And that leads to my second question. Are you becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus? Do you know more about him today than you did last week, last month, last year? Could you say that you know more of him as a friend, as a savior, as your Lord? Because of the continual communication and conversation and prayer and reading of his word and and listening to the voice of his Holy Spirit that you're doing throughout each day. We're becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Jesus. And finally, are you growing daily in your understanding of the wonders of his person? Are you growing daily in your understanding of the wonders of his person? We sing those courses that talk about Jesus, our savior, our redeemer, our friend. He's our rock of ages. He's our help. Are those becoming more of a reality in your life as you understand the wonder of who he is that leads to your worship and your adoration of him? And so Paul says, add to your virtue, knowledge, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, it's such a privilege for us to know you personally. That you sent your son Jesus to to die on that cross so that we could be brought near to you. So that we could have this wonderful and unique relationship with you through him. And Father, I thank you that with this relationship of friendship this relationship of of closeness that you take us through all of the events of life. We can face them with confidence, with assurance, with your help and your strength. And so father, I pray that we would not neglect our relationship with you, that we'd find ourselves turning to you 
every moment of every day, in the decisions that we have to make, in the responses that we have in particular situations. Father, that, that you would help us to, to, to know who to reach out to and, and what to say in particular situations. Father, all of this comes about when we walk in closeness with you. And so may that be our passion, our highest priority. And as a result, may you receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope we were able to provide wisdom and insight in your faith journey. If you would like to connect with us, you are welcome to join our service every Sunday morning at 1030. For more information, you can find us at facebook.com slash TBC Swan River. And if you would like to find more episodes of our podcast, go to anchor.fm slash Temple Baptist Church or search on your favorite podcast app.